0: I mean I'll be honest, uh, I thought today was pretty good, woke up at an asinine hour, navigated my way through traffic at 7 in the morning, spent a good day at the office, uh, not knowing exactly how to handle certain tasks, and after hours when my direct supervision decided to uh, give me a call. But you know what? All's good. All's good in California. It's, It's the American dream to uh, not establish clear work-life boundaries. But who am I? It's also a day for politics. Uh, Nothing too noteworthy in the news, and I say that as being very, very hindsighted, as I do understand what is going on in this country. But, you know, there's not enough days of the year, I feel, that we really get to express how much one side of the aisle really caters to our every need, or to live vicariously through pundits, echoing just the same talking points over and over. And as I look at today's article, I oftentimes reminisce of those very same talking points. (laughs) That ad nauseum was just a staple of undergrad. Harper's Magazine, Donald Trump is a Good President. Now, before I even click on the article itself, because I had to search this in order to uh, get this on my screen, we immediately have a little tidbit off to the side. Now, depending on what browser you're using, this may be a little bit different. Oftentimes, it'll show a Wikipedia page or a little snippet, depending on uh, maybe a certain public figure in history. But it says here, Donald Trump was a good president. Kialo.com. Was Donald Trump a good president? And it says, con, President Trump had low public and expert approval. It's not a question that I asked into this browser, but let's let that be an omen for what's to come, because it's one thing to be actively searching for a topic, but it's another thing when the browser itself rears its ugly opinion into it. Donald Trump is a Good President by Harper's Magazine. One Foreigner's Perspective, originally by Mitchell Hulenbeck, translated by John Cullen. From the title, I'm not exactly sure really what to make of it. Obviously, this is a first impression, but here we go. In all sincerity, I like Americans a lot. I've met many lovely people in the United States, and I empathize with the shame many Americans, and not only, quote, New York intellectuals, feel at having such an appalling clown for a leader. Hmm. Already setting it up for a little bit of a red herring. I mean, if the title was any indication, I would assume that this was a uh, pro-maga, ulti-red, uber-fanatic... Magalite. However, I have to ask, and I know what I'm requesting isn't easy for you, that you consider things for a moment from a non American point of view. I don't mean, quote, from a French point of view, which would be asking too much. Let's say from the point of view of the rest of the world. So already not even being indicative of the country that the author is representing, and uh i guess to keep it unbiased i mean if you were to extrapolate the name and basically say well this is a name indicative of this country and do we or do we not have good foreign relations with them i, I mean i often kind of go back to the standalone uh, be the america that a J- that japan sees you as <laughs> stereotype where other countries looking in are gonna look are gonna look in with just Overzealous patriotism. Um, But I digress. On the numerous occasions where I've been questioned about Donald Trump's election, I've replied that I don't give a shit. France isn't Wyoming or Arkansas. Oh, okay, so it is France. Interesting. Huh. Okay. France is an independent country, more or less, and will become totally independent once again when the European Union is dissolved. The sooner the better, in parentheses. Yeah, I guess it would have helped if I would have looked at his last name and... Assuming I'm even pronouncing it correctly, but okay, it is from a French perspective. I will wholeheartedly, uh, (laughs) take ownership of that blunder. From a French point of view of the world, though, I mean, is France overly involved in American patriotism? I would assume so. I mean, given that we are allies, but the United States of America is no longer the world's leading power. It was for a long time, for almost the entire course of the 20th century. It isn't anymore. It remains a major power, one among among several. And this, this isn't necessarily bad news for Americans. It's very good news for the rest of the world. My response is a bit of an exaggeration one has an ongoing obligation to take at least a modicum of interest in american political life the united states is still the world's leading military power go us and unfortunately has yet to break its habit of mounting interventions beyond its its borders i'm not a historian and i don't know much about ancient history for example For example, I couldn't say whether Kennedy or Johnson was more to blame for the dismal Vietnam affair, but I have the impression that it's been a good long time since the United States last won a war, and that for at least 50 years it's foreign military interventions. Holy shit, this is. Oh boy, I would say dated, but what in this is wrong? Uh, Whether acknowledged or clandestine have been nothing but a succession of disgraces culminating in failures. Let's go back all the way to the United States' last morally unquestionable and militarily victorious intervention, namely its participation in World War II. What would have happened had the United States not entered the war? An unpleasant, alternate history? Without a doubt, the destiny of Asia would have greatly altered. The destiny of Europe, too, but probably somewhat less somewhat less you know with who was in control and and here we go jumping the gun in any case hitler would have lost just the same what's most probable is that stalin's armies would have reached cherbourg some european countries that were spared the ordeal of communism would have suffered it the destiny of europe too but probably somewhat less (laughs) oh boy a disagreeable scenario i admit but a brief one Forty years later, the Soviet Union would have collapsed all the same, simply because it rested on an ineffective and bogus ideology. There we go! We have, finally, the eagle has landed. Let us raise our flags, ladies and gentlemen. Whatever the circumstances, whatever the culture in which communism has been established, it hasn't managed to survive for so much as a century, not in any country in the world. Okay, so so now we're just veering off into the, uh, the, the anti-communism shtick, which... I'm not going to say it is like a lazy argument if you sort of just look at how it's practiced. <laughs> I feel like the argument of well real communism hasn't been tried yet and the places where it has been tried has arrived at the same conclusion of famine and death. But I feel like both sides of the ar- both sides of the aisle when they're having this argument, they sort of resort to those two talking points you know what i mean like you often find that the discussion really doesn't go any further than that unless you are actually going into the the economics of it which I, i don't necessarily think that individuals in undergraduate classes do when they're yelling from the back of the room but i digress perhaps that's saved for uh for turning point usa discussions people's memories aren't very long The Hungarians, the Poles, the Czechs of today, do they really remember that they used to be communists? Ooh. Got a little bit of a a one-two. Does the way they envision what's at stake in Europe differ so much from the Western European viewpoint? It seems extremely unlikely. To adopt for a moment the language of the center-left, the populist cancer, quote-unquote, is not at all limited to the Visegrad group. Above all, the arguments used in Austria, in Poland, in Italy, and in Sweden are exactly the same. One of the constants in Europe's long history is the struggle against Islam. Today, that struggle has simply returned to the foreground. Do we just shift gears here? (laughs) I I didn't know that this was going to be a theological discussion, but okay. I've read about the CIA's repulsive tactics in Nicaragua and Chile, only in novels almost exclusively American novels, so I can't make any definitive accusations on those scores. The first American military interventions I can really remember are those of the two Bushes, especially the Sons. (laughs) France refused to join him in his war against Iraq, a war that was in equal parts immoral and stupid, and also over, might I add. France was right, and my pleasure in pointing this out is all the greater because France has seldom been right since... Let's say since the time of De Gaulle. (laughs) Enormous progress was made under Obama. Maybe he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize a little too soon, but as far as I'm concerned, he truly earned it later, on the day when he refused to back Francois Hollande's, Hollande's proposed attack on Syria. Obama's attempts at racial reconciliation were less successful, and I don't know your country well enough to understand exactly why. All I can do is regret the fact. (laughs) But at the very least, Obama can be congratulated for not adding Syria to the long list. Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, and others I'm no doubt forgetting, of Muslim lands where the West has committed atrocities. Trump is pursuing and amplifying the policy of disengagement initiated by Obama. This is very good news for the rest of the world. The Americans are getting off our backs. The Americans are letting us exist, and the Americans have stopped trying to spend to to spend. Yeah, have stopped trying to spread democracy to the four corners of the of the globe. Besides, what democracy? Voting every four years to elect a head of state, is that a democracy? In my view, there's one country in the world, one country, not two. Oh, Jesus. Getting the hiccups from just trying to keep up with this. (laughs) Oh, man. This article, I can already tell, is just, it's, I can't tell if it's just jerking me around in every which way just to, see what'll stick or if this is just if this is just an outright bastardization or uh, um, not not hit piece per se but like it satirically appeals to the average everyday american who can't focus on one political talking point like is that why it's going off into every which way I'm sure that there's a concise point that'll tie this all together, I'm sure. Otherwise, why would uh, why would Harper's Magazine publish it? <laughs> uh, let's see here. <laughs> Besides, what democracy? Voting every four years to elect a head of state, is that a democracy? Uh, in my view, there's only one country in the world, one, not two, that enjoys partially democratic institutions, and that country isn't the United States of America. It's Switzerland a country otherwise notable for its laudable policy of neutrality. The Americans are no longer prepared to die for the freedom of the press. Besides, what freedom of the press, I ask as a non-journalism major? (laughs) As a a non-journalism major? Oh, God. Man, today was just a long day. You ever just sit in an office and you think to yourself, man, I can't wait to finish that talk radio show that, uh, that I was listening to in the morning, that's just, you know, if I don't live my life mimicking those talking points, then life's just not worth living. Yeah, well, now, uh, times have changed. Now you can just find anyone with a microphone to uh, to record nothing and call it a show. But what freedom of the press? <laughs> Ever since I was 12 years old, I've watched the range of opinions permissible in the press steadily shrinking. I write this shortly after a new hunting expedition has been launched in France against the notoriously anti-liberal writer Eric Zemmour. The Americans are relying more and more on drones, which, if they knew how to use these weapons, could have allowed them to reduce the number of civilian casualties. But the fact is that Americans have always been incapable, practically since aviation began, of carrying out a proper bombing. This has got to be fucking with me at this point. Oh, man. The fact is that Americans have always been incapable, practically since aviation began, of carrying out a proper bombing. Oh, boy. Uh, But what's most remarkable about the new American policies is certainly the country's position on trade. And there, Trump has been like a healthy breath of fresh air. You've really done well to elect a president with origins in what is called civil society. President Trump tears up treaties and trade agreements when he thinks it was wrong to sign them. He's right about that. Leaders must know how to use the cooling-off period and withdraw from bad deals. Unlike free-market liberals, who are, in their way, as fanatical as communists, President Trump doesn't consider a global free trade the be-all and end-all of human progress. When free trade favors American interests, President Trump is in favor of free trade. In the contrary case, he finds old-fashioned protectionist measures entirely appropriate. See, I think we often wondered that when he took office. If the protectionist, isolationist, America First rah-rah movement was actually going to withstand the test of time outside of just a simple political debate of, oh, why, why you should vote for the man in the red hat, And if the recent State of the Union is any indication about just how politicians don't get it, both on an economic stance as well as a political stance of talking ad nauseum about what it means to build back better into America and putting America first and not dabbling in foreign interests and investing back in our people it's really just a testament to how long they can fill that hour and a half two hour runtime because you know that those statements and those sentiments are going to be dated as ever loving shit because economically it doesn't make sense to build back better into america economically it it makes sense to uh, offshore it and if we're truly going for the two-pronged approach of lowering inflation while simultaneously investing pools and pockets of money back into America, it often makes me wonder if anyone, anyone at all, has taken a look at a balance sheet and wonders how these two concepts even remotely correlate with one another. President Trump was elected to safeguard the interests of American workers. He's safeguarding the interests of America. Oh, he's safeguarding the interests of America. Okay, so that's just one sentence. President Trump was elected to safeguard the interests of American workers. Semi-colon. He's safeguarding the interests of American workers. Okay. During the past 50 years in France, one would have wished to come upon this sort of attitude more often. President Trump doesn't like the European Union. He thinks we don't have a lot in common, especially not, quote, values. And I call this fortunate, because what values? Human rights. Seriously? you would rather negotiate directly with individual countries, and I believe that this would actually be preferable. I don't think that strength necessarily proceeds from union, and it's my belief that we in Europe have neither a common language, nor common values, nor common interests. That, in a word, Europe doesn't exist, and that it will never constitute a people or support a possible democracy. See the etymology of the term. Simply because it doesn't want to constitute a people. In short, Europe is just a dumb idea that has gradually turned into a bad dream from which we shall eventually wake up. And in his hopes for a quote United States of Europe, an obvious reference to the United States, Victor Hugo only gave further proof of his grandilo- grandiloquence, grandiloquence, jeez. Grandiloquence. I am sounding like the most unintelligent person in the room, and I'm and I'm unable to be. uh... <laughs> I'm just being sidelined here. I got a fourteen seventy on my SAT, people. Okay, this was after the re- the revised <laughs> the revised scoring. So, ah, uh, Victor Hugo only gave further proof of his grandiloquence and his stupidity. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. It always does me a bit of good to criticize Victor Hugo. Logically enough, President Trump was pleased about Brexit. Logically enough, so was I. My sole regret was that the British had once again shown themselves to be more courageous than us in the face of empire. The British get on my nerves, but their courage cannot be denied. President Trump doesn't consider Vladimir Putin an unworthy negotiating partner, and neither do I. I don't believe Russia has been assigned the role of humankind's universal guide. (laughs) My admiration for Dostoevsky doesn't extend that far, but I admire the persistence of orthodoxy in its own hands. I think Roman Catholicism would do well to take inspiration from it, and I believe that the ecumenical dialogue could be usefully limited to a dialogue with the Orthodox Church. Christianity is not only a, quote, religion of the book, as is too quickly said. It's also, and perhaps above all, a religion of the Incarnation. I'm painfully aware that the Great Schism of 1054 was, for Christian Europe, the beginning of the end, but on the other hand, I believe that the end is never certain until it arrives. It seems that President Trump has even managed to tame the North Korean madman. Oh boy, I found this feat positively classy. The North Korean madman. It seems that President Trump recently declared, "You know what? I'm a nationalist." Me too, precisely. So nationalists can talk to one another with internationalists. Oddly enough, oh, see here. Here I am jumping the gun here because uh, semicolon is just is just the trademark to. Um, Uh, to getting your article posted in Harper's nationalists can talk to one another pause reflect now go with internationalists oddly enough talking doesn't work so well France should leave NATO but maybe such a step will become pointless if lack of operational funding causes NATO to disappear on its own (laughs) that would be one less thing to worry about and a new reason to sing the praises of President Trump I feel like I'm reading like and again maybe it's just the way it's written. I love articles like this. I love articles that don't take themselves seriously and I want and I and I love those that um initiate those little those little jabs at really the problems of what's going on. It feels as though I'm I'm reading this as if I would just a bad conservative talk radio host uh his first book that was written, you know. Like you can feel the personality into it and you can feel the not so much a lackluster research approach but more so the the like the humor associated with how the author personally has a vendetta against it. And I will say this this show, by and large, as stated previously, is not to, uh, is not to produce shreds of intellect that you can take to your local uh, journalism department or your local town newspaper and basically say, "Well, I heard this on Anchor.fM. I'm not asking you to. Because I'm purposefully not going into this in detail with a research approach and basically saying politically or socio-politically, this is bad or this is good. I'm only giving my first impressions here, and honestly, I feel as though I'm reading straight from Greg Gutfeld. Because I can't help but laugh, but also sense the personality behind the words, and pretty much it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, In summary, President Trump seems to be one of the best American presidents I've ever seen. On the personal level, he is, of course, pretty repulsive. (laughs) See, there you go. (laughs) If he consorted with a porn star, that's not a problem. Who gives a shit? But making fun of handicapped people is bad behavior. With an equivalent agenda, an authentic Christian conservative, which is to say an honorable and moral person, would have been better for America. But maybe it could happen next time, or the time after that. If you insist on keeping Trump, that is. And in six years, Ted Cruz will still be comparatively young, and surely there are other outstanding Christian conservatives. You'll be a little less competitive, but you'll rediscover the joy of living within the borders of your magnificent country, practicing honesty and virtue. Ah, <sighs> Imagine. Imagine that. <laughs> I don't see social media among the list, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's not needed to live a, a remarkably holistic lifestyle. Glad I cut that out. With some instances of marital infidelity, nobody's perfect, you should relax about that. Even in the best American thrillers, there are scenes of spousal repentance that are hard to bear, especially when the children intervene. I don't want to play the licentious Frenchman... A character i loathe i'm just pleading for the maintenance of a minimal level of hypocrisy without which no life in human society is possible you'll export some products indispensable brands marshall klipsch jack daniels you'll import some others we in france also have stuff to sell in the end this probably won't amount to much either in trade volume or in foreign exchange A reduction in global trade is a desirable goal, and one that could be reached within a short time frame. Some protest actions could accelerate the process. Without very much difficulty, there could be limited to goods and property. There's a limited number of sailors aboard any given container ship. In case of an attack, it would be easy to warn the captain and to evacuate them, avoiding any conflict. Oh man, tell that to the Costa Concordia your messianic militarism will completely disappear the world will only breathe a sigh of relief silicon valley and to a lesser degree hollywood will have to cope with the appearance of formidable competitors my god somebody said it oh god can can we can we hear that again can we hear how silicon valley and hollywood aren't the centers of their own universe as much as they like to believe that they are Whew, God, I think I just got a half chubby reading that. But Silicon Valley, like Hollywood, will hang on to important sectors of the market. <laughs> like finance, am I right? China will scale back its overweening ambitions. This outcome will be the hardest to achieve, but in the end, China will limit its aspirations, and India will do the same. China has never been a global imperialist power. I'm sorry, what? care reading that again china has never been a global imperialist power okay um if i was at a polygraph if i was taking a polygraph i think that thing would just full on blow up uh, nor has india unlike the united states their military aims are local their economic aims it's true are global they have some economic revenge to take they're taking it at the moment which is indeed a matter of some concern Donald Trump is quite right to not let himself be pushed around. But in the end, their conscientiousness will subside, and their growth rate will subside. All this will take place within one human lifetime. You have to get used to the idea, or the American people. In the final analysis, maybe Donald Trump will have been a necessary ordeal for you. And you'll always be welcome as tourists.